Welcome to Transforming Education, Leadership Lessons. This podcast is hosted by Northwestern College. We're bringing you thought leaders who are influencing education and the world around them. Each episode provides new leadership lessons so you can learn how to embrace your own influence. Leadership has nothing to do with title or position. That leadership has to do with impact. And the role of a leader isn't to create followers, it's to enable more leaders. Take away leadership qualities that inspire. I think good leaders really get people brought together around a cause and can inspire them to be better than they were yesterday or to do something great. Care about others. We need teachers out there that are caring and compassionate and are interested in the student beyond the discipline that they're teaching. Show people they matter. We don't have a bullying problem. We don't even have a gun problem. We have a mattering problem. By knowing you matter. You matter to yourself first before you can matter to someone else. So further your impact. When you just authentically love your students, I just don't think you can help but grow. Understand your core values. You can tell pretty quickly any core leader, whether or not he or she is there for the mission at hand for the people that they serve or whether they're there for themselves. And align your mission. Everything we do on campus, whether it's someone in the maintenance department or someone teaching in the classroom or to coach, uh, it should tie back to our mission of impacting students for the cause of Christ. Discover how to use your influence to inspire others. That is why the relationships is so critical in everything we do, because when people know you care about them, they know yet they have your best interest, and then it sinks in. Let's welcome our host, Gary Richardson. Thank you, Leslie, and thanks to all of you for listening and spending some time with us today. This episode, we will be discussing leading from a Christian perspective with Mark DeYoung, Dean of Christian Formation at Northwestern College. Mark oversees the campus ministry department and works with staff to lead worship, discipleship, and service opportunities that guide students' Christian formation and the integration of faith and learning. Mark also serves on the president's cabinet. Mark, welcome to our podcast today. That's good to be here. So did I represent what you do here at Northwestern College accurately? I think you nailed it. Work with great people. I'm inspired by our students on a daily basis, and so it's, yeah, just a privilege. Many of our listeners are educational leaders, whether it be teachers or administrators, Mark. However, we've found that leaders from all walks of life tune in depending on the topic. And you are a great example of someone who works within an education system, but also provides leadership in, obviously, different settings and serving different people. Your colleagues, the students, they all depend on your leadership, and sometimes that can be a heavy burden, I think. So how do you navigate this, and how do you provide authenticity for all these different groups? The concept of wearing many different hats, interacting with many different people that fit different categories, right? Students, colleagues, institutional leaders. But then there's individual stories, so those groups are not homogenous. Everybody is a person. They come from an experience. One of the principles I think I hold on to often is the simple concept of meeting people where they're at. I look at Christ. He left divinity, and he met us where we're at. The most complete way that he could, he became human. He was a baby like you and I. He was hungry and tired. Uh, Christian history makes a big deal about the fact that Jesus is 100% human. And so what does it mean to meet people where they're at? The motivation of Jesus meeting us where we're at, we're told in Scripture, Philippians 2, it says that he emptied himself of his right as God. As a leader, what does it mean to have the capacity to 
the security, the the framework, the the place of center in our own being to be able to empty ourselves of our own rights to meet people where they're at. That's challenging for me, and uh, oftentimes, I don't know if I fully embody that, but I do aspire for that, and I think one of the ways to which it's accomplished is really earning the right to be heard as a leader. Sure. And so just relationship, hmm. um, eyeball to eyeball, coming close, asking about stories, trying to suspend judgment, remembering that people, they represent something so much more than just the function of a job. They're really people to be loved and drawn near to. And I think we had a speaker come to Northwestern's campus earlier in October. His name's Dr. Andy Root. He's written a lot, spoke a lot, studied a lot, this next generation, our generation, millennials, Gen Z, this next generation. And, and one of the values that's being lifted up very high is authenticity, all things authenticity. And and I think you kind of nudged at that a little bit. What does it mean to be authentic in the midst of navigating that leadership? And I wonder sometimes, this is something that I've been challenging myself with is just this thought of, does our society value authenticity in the sense that we just want to sort of showcase ourselves as opposed to seeking something that is authentic in the space between another person and myself, the interpersonal, the space between the connection. I know in my own life, sometimes there's that temptation. I come from a sports background. Sure. So I love to function for people. I love to perform for people. I love to find a sense of authenticity and value and worth based on the validation that other people give me. Therefore, I'm actually seeking people out of a need for my own personal gain. And it's sort of this subtle selfishness. And I think, what does it look like to get beyond just seeing another person for the utility that they offer me, but to really see another person as a person, as Jesus saw people, as he met people where they're at? How do we seek the most authentic version of the space between each other? For me, I guess coming back to leadership and navigating, just seeking that authentic space between meeting people where they're at. Putting it in leadership terms from what Leslie and I do with the podcast is directed at education, and that was the original target audience and leadership in general. And we found that we've kind of landed on a more topical approach because everybody brings a different story to the podcast in leadership. So my point is you brought up people that are directed towards valuing the dignity of the human spirit mm-hmm. in their leadership walk as well as making sure that each person is valued mm. and that we know each person's story. And so that takes investment and that takes time. And when you said the bit about selfishness, what I fight with myself every day is I would consider myself a selfish person for the reasons that you mentioned. Born and grown into a, a sports mentality and still do it, sometimes we take our self-worth according to what the scoreboard said. Mm. And that's just the way society kind of is. But you have to get past that and know that it's not, right? So my point is, as I'm rambling, Mark, here is I think it's important that we know everybody's story Mm. as leaders, because if you do, then they feel invested and now they can be as good as they they can be. Mm. Um, The other thing that came to mind, and and now that we're totally off track, we might as well keep going, um, (laughs) is I'm reading a book by Paul David Tripp called Awe. He would suggest that 
all of these awesome things that we see, whether it be a, uh, a snowstorm or a beach or water or blue skies or the sun, becomes what we're about as opposed to who created them. Hmm. And so how do we think less about us and more about who created us, but more about how we can serve other people by not being in awe of money or power or mm. affirmation. I'm interested in, as Christian leaders, as we attempt to follow biblical examples of leadership, in your role, you may have the ability for more transparency about your principles, but even if you're working in the public sector, how do you explain what drives your approach to leadership? This has been an ongoing work in me, so I'll just share what's fresh. I read a book two years ago by a guy named Abraham Joshua Heschel, and he's a theologian. He's astute in the Jewish tradition. The Christian faith, you know, we're, we're rooted in this Jewish tradition. Jesus himself was a Jew, and in this book that he wrote called Sabbath, he gave me a different way of thinking about Sabbath that I've never really thought about before. You know, we think about Sabbath, we think about rest. Sometimes in my own life, I can reduce rest to just physically stopping, taking a nap, saying no to a few things. That is the extent of rest. But biblically, the idea of Sabbath is so much more than just physically stopping. It's this sense of coming back to center, coming back to, you talked about awe, this book that you read, Mm -hmm. coming back to perspective of seeing reality as it actually is. And reality as it actually is, is eternal. God is eternal. And another word for eternal that Joshua Heschel uses is enoughness. In my own life, I often wonder how much I wrestle with these questions. Have I done enough? Do I have enough time? Do I have enough money, success? Am I personally enough? And the idea of resting, this idea of centering myself in enoughness, this eternal God made flesh, his claim upon my life because of what he's done on the cross, what does it look like to not run from the busyness of my life to rest, only to just let rest fuel my work. But what does it look like for our work Hmm. to be this sort of echo of our rest, if that makes sense? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes what I do is I go, oh, I just need to take a nap so that I have more energy to get my stuff done. Most do, yeah. But it's like, so in other words, we rest for the sake of working more, doing more, you know, the, the enough questions. And in my own life, you know, I wonder if I can do sort of subtle violence to my life when I lack rest, not just physically stopping, but entering into the deep, true perspective, reality as it actually is, that God is enough. And the gospel declares enoughness. I have enough time. I have enough money, my daily bread, right? Right. I am enough because of what Christ has done for me. And so how do I operate? How do I lead? Not from a place of shame, am I enough? But rather, how do I lead from a place of rest? Like, Christ has said I'm enough because he is enough. There's, I think, just a beautiful freedom that comes over a leader. And I guess I'm trying to walk through in my own life currently is just this, the concept that I think I've centered it on is being a content leader. 
you know, contentment, right. the wisdom of contentment. The Proverbs talk about contentment a lot. And I think our society, we don't, we don't rest enough. Not just physically stopping, we don't center ourselves enough. I don't center myself enough. And so just leaning into that, that invitation of contentment. We had talked earlier before the podcast, but just along the line of how do we honor and, and lead the least, the lost, and the last, I'm wondering if you could define that, first of all, hmm. and then how do we lead in that way? Wow. Jesus has a way of flipping everything upside down, inside out, even just thinking those words, the least, the last, and the last. You know, he says the last shall become first. Mm-hmm. There's countless stories of lost being found, the humility of Christ. You know, Paul says, I am the least of these. Those terms are interesting because in our society, I think we define things by hierarchy and rank and power. There's no doubt this theme throughout the entire scriptures that people like the widow, the foreigner, the orphan, the poor, they have a special place in God's heart. As Christians, I think one of the primary facets of good news is the reality that God's really trying to get our heart to be more in beat with his heart. And if he has a heart for the poor and the foreigner, the widow, these three L's that you put out there, we ought to have a heart as well. And Jesus also has this beautiful ability to to ditch the labels and to lift up the <laughs> humanity. And so even as we use a term like least lost and last, <laughs> I think Jesus would just be mm. like, sounds like a human. And so like, how do we just lift up the humanity in ourselves and another? And, and you know, love and action, right? Getting proximate, not just thinking in terms of lesser than or greater than or lost and close. And what does it look like to carve out space where we can seek dignity, where we can seek mutuality, where there can be shared life, where curiosity and good questions and relationships can abound, you know, because these terms, oftentimes we don't use these terms upon ourselves. We project these terms upon another. And then we actually create this subtle, like I'm just slightly superior, you know, and I have something to, to give or kind of this servitude mentality. And And sometimes Christ did come, he served, right? He had a lot to offer. And yet, what does it mean to give and receive? What does it mean to come alongside? What does it mean to to really lift up just shared humanity and realize that oftentimes there's so much more to be learned and gained and and received than than even extending, so to speak. Yeah, you said something that I think is definitely a a characteristic for all leaders to think about as they do their jobs, and that is ditch the labels. What if that was our mantra? What if we did that in every classroom across the nation? I'm going to ditch the labels here. That would just be an interesting and impactful way to lead. So we are visiting with Mark DeYoung, Dean of Christian Formation at Northwestern College, who has graciously agreed to give us his time to contribute to our podcast today. Mark, you and I have talked about the necessity of having a self-awareness of our own woundedness and how it may affect us as leaders. Can you explore our woundedness a little bit and how that does affect us? Yeah. Henry Nouwen is a voice and an author that comes to mind. He calls us wounded healers, right? It's just that concept. Scripture, Paul calls us jars of clay, this picture of we're so fragile, and yet 
Scripture goes on to say that within this fragile vessel that is us, we hold a treasure of surpassing worth, and that's Christ. Mm -hmm. And so incredible strength within, and yet fragility because of brokenness that brokenness isn't just our choices it's we've all been raised and surrounded by experiences throughout our life that are broken therefore wounds happen and then what we do is we make we make meaning out of those wounds sometimes out of that woundedness make commitments to protect ourselves and then out of self-protection we ultimately sort of create a version of ourselves that's more false than true even for people that know Christ from early on, you know, this isn't, as Christians, we're not immune to the potential of being wounded because we're still human. We're still on this side of glory before Christ makes all things new. Yeah, we make meaning. We buy into wounded lies. We protect self and really create a false self in some ways. And out of that false self, we're sort of misaligned in a lot of ways with kind of the truth of who God wants to invite us to more fully become. Mm -hmm. And out of that, we disobey. And disobedience beyond just morality, disobedience in that we protect, we become something that's less human and less full, less less oriented towards connecting with one another. And uh, all this affects the way we show up, the way we lead. And so there's triggers that sometimes when we walk into a space, I don't know if you've ever had it, where there's a location or a person or a certain venue or even certain words that they trigger emotions in us. And sometimes those emotions, those negative emotions well up, those negative emotions are coming from somewhere. They're this rush of anxiety, this rush of depression, this rush of despair. And I think the more that we can work through some of the wounding that has happened in our past, the more that we can be aware of some moments where we're triggered and be aware of kind of the false lies that we've bought into based Mm -hmm. upon wounds and meaning that we've made in the past. Interesting. And so just a simple case in point, I'm in high school, girl broke my heart, right? And oh, that happens? Yeah, how about that, huh? Yikes, yes. So It doesn't broke, feel good. Yeah, it does not feel good, absolutely, right? But for me, some of the meaning that I made from that experience was, man, I'm not going to put my heart out there again. Right. You know, and so there was this self-protecting thing that happened, but it was built on woundedness that was rooted in resentment, unforgiveness, and bitterness. Mm-hmm. And... I was then showing up in places and spaces, including athletics. I didn't play athletics for a season of my life out of joy. I played athletics out of anger and frustration. I was showing up in that space. I was a captain. I was a leader, even into college. But what was going on underneath the surface was there was an experience and a woundedness, and then I made meaning out of that. And it was affecting the way I was leading forward. You know, we always say that if you fail to look at history as a society, you're going to repeat it. If we fail to look at our own personal history, our own personal wounds, our family systems, the meaning that we've made throughout our life historically, we're more likely to just continue to repeat. And I think deep healing happens when we lean into the mess and woundedness and hurt of our past. You know, the past is more alive in the present than I think I'm courageous enough to admit. (laughs) And being aware of that is really important. Self-awareness is huge. How did you get out of the leading through anger and frustration period? That's a great question. 
good friends who are safe enough sure. to process some of this with. Honestly, it sounds maybe cliche or cheesy, but but honest, just the awareness and then prayer, yeah. confession, recognizing the good invitation that if I'm ultimately living out of places of any sort of resentment or unforgiveness, the person that that's most suffocating and most impacting mm-hmm. is, is me. Yes. And so the invitation to break those chains, when Jesus says, forgive as I forgive you, I think that's not a point the finger, you better do this. I think it's more a, this is an invitation to free life. Because to walk in a lack of forgiveness is to walk with chains on, you know. And so as leaders, I don't think we get a function outside of our humanity. I don't think we get a function vacuum sealed from our history. And I think we look at a society and we see that and we get that. Any wise leader goes, yeah, we really need to pay attention to these things that happen because, but it's really difficult when you get into the tender places of your own life and, and to, to kind of peel back the, and the, and then the pressure of being a leader that has it all together. Um, but to, to kind of peel back the layers and, and to lean into the mess and the wounds, I think we get a walk in a more full place. And I think we're more free, and I think others are more yeah. blessed. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, thanks for asking. Appreciate it. Mark, we've asked you here to help us inspire and influence people that lead. Who inspired you along the way? It's a really good question. I could, I could lift up a lot of people. In this moment, I would probably lift up, I think, about a gentleman named Mr. Eugene. He... Uh, Post-Northwestern, I was doing community development work in the South, and so I lived in Arkansas, and Mr. Eugene uh, lived on the outskirts of Memphis across the river in Arkansas, and he just had a charisma about him. He lived in a historically divided context racially. Mr. Eugene was a black man leader in a Southern Baptist church, and he led these banquets, these potluck banquets once a week, and he was so faithful in his leadership and just so generous and genuine in the way he carried himself. But he was just such a presence of peace in the midst of a lot of hurt and woundedness in a community. And so, yeah, he taught me a lot just about the ways to which when we carry ourselves, how we carry ourselves, mm-hmm. kind of the it factor, the intangibles. Yeah, he just modeled something so beautifully. And I think what he what he beautifully modeled was being a, you used the word peace earlier. Uh, he, he was just a presence of peace in the midst yeah. of tension in so many ways. He, tense moments, I remember watching him respond to some, some really, really tense moments, some very inappropriate things that were shared some community leader gatherings that he stood up and spoke at. He just oozed peace and pulled people together like a sponge where there was anxiety in a room. He just sort of soaked Mm -hmm. up the anxiety. And so he's somebody that comes to mind. I have appreciated authors like C.S. Lewis. He's somebody that has inspired my faith in a lot of ways. I've appreciated preaching pastors like Tim Keller. He's edified and encouraged my faith in incredible ways. Yeah, there's lots of people I can mention. So what C.S. Lewis book would you recommend? Which one wouldn't I recommend? Okay. <laughs> I'm currently reading a book called The Great Divorce. Okay. It's actually a sort of a, a fictional metaphor for heaven and hell, but the theology is dense and right on and robust, and it's, it's really beautiful. 
it, it makes you really think. One of the landing points for me in that book is the concept that hell is locked from the inside. And if you sit and dwell on that a little bit, it, it's a powerful concept. So yeah, great divorce. Probably my favorite C.S. Lewis book of all time is The Abolition of Man. Okay. His more well-known book would be The Chronicles of Narnia or Mere Christianity would be pretty common, popular right. books written yeah. by C.S. Lewis. So. so in this area of leadership, what are you most curious about? Or what are you just curious about as you go through a day? I think just this idea of being fully present in space and time. I, I think our society, the pace of our society, the ability to be elsewhere mentally, to sure. be elsewhere in chronological time, to be thinking about what's ahead, whether that's the next hour, the next day, the next week, um, to be behind in time, to think, be thinking about the mistake I made yesterday, I wish I would have done this or said this, all the woulda, coulda, shouldas, right? And so I think in my own life, what does it mean to just fully show up and to be kind of this mentality of, I want to be nowhere else with no one else at no other moment. Yeah. You know, like I'm here, I'm with you. To be fully present, I think when I've had that gift from another friend or human being, when I, you know, you can kind of feel it when somebody's just fully present. It's almost a taste of eternity, I feel like. It's just, mm. this is it. Yeah. It's now, it's us. Let's lean in. Yeah, what does it mean to be a leader that just fully shows up? I struggle with that if I'm just being really transparent, you know, thinking about the past or the future, thinking about what's going on even back at my house right now or social media or all the pings or my access to Internet, and it just gets my mind thinking about or, you know, I'm prayerfully thinking about what's going on with Iran and that, you know, that attack last night. And, you know, and so it's just so easy for us to not fully show up, fully be here. It's hard for all the reasons that you brought up Yeah, in the last few minutes. Just really powerful. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing with us today. Well, Leslie, that was uh, pretty powerful with Mark, and we certainly thank him for giving of his time today. But uh, what were your takeaways today? Yes, Mark gave us some great tips and ideas for really the internal work needed for leadership and really grounding ourselves in order to lead better. First, I took away the need for authenticity in our leadership roles, to truly meet people where they're at. Can we be 100% human with others as Jesus was 100% human with us? I think in the age of hashtag authentic, we have to think, does our society value authenticity to showcase ourselves uh, rather than truly seeing people as people and not function as we connect with them and, and listen well? And secondly, what drives our approach to leadership in actually thinking of a new shift of our perspective to work, work for the sake of rest he gave us. If we can truly embrace our enoughness instead of looking at that scoreboard or what we accomplished in that day, but centering around where our work lies and our importance and value in ourselves first, we'll find a totally new approach to leadership. Thirdly, in a way of honoring and leading the least, the lost, the last, we need to ditch the labels. We need to remember that everyone is human. We are human, and we can lift up others not from a place of superiority or leadership, but as fellow human. Our love and action can come from this place. And fourth, how do we embrace our own woundedness? As wounded healers, we can choose 
to make meaning out of our brokenness by either protecting ourselves and closing that space of hurt, or we can lean into the past and understand it can mean something, that we can live out of something beautiful and not out of resentment or hurt, but instead in forgiveness and freedom, simply by being aware of our woundedness and past brokenness. He gave us several books. First, any of C.S. Lewis, he recommends, uh, specifically The Great Divorce, The Abolition of Man, or Mere Christianity. Chronicles of Narnia, also one of my favorites, so you can't go wrong there. We want to thank Mark DeYoung for giving of his time and sharing his wisdom today on faith and integration and how he uses his leadership skills in the area of Christian formation. Thanks to all of you for listening to Transforming Education Leadership Lessons. I know you have many options for podcasting, and we appreciate you spending time with us today. As a leader in education, you matter, and how you lead matters to a whole bunch of people that you serve. You are created for significance. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast, and please email me at gary.richardson at nwciowa.edu with your comments or suggestions. Until next time, inspire and influence. Inspire and influence.